We pray here each Wednesday night, according to 2 Chronicles 7, 14, that says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, God said, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I'll heal their lands. He meant that. If we will, he will. You know, we've got 50 weeks behind us now. And, uh, you know, uh, this next year we're going to continue uh, with, with this venue once each month on a Wednesday night uh, with, with, with just praying and seeking the Lord. And then uh, we'll be uh, teaching as, as well on top of that. So uh, if you're ready tonight, we have our, our lesson tonight. We are in module number four of our Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship. We are winding down this year. Module four is all about the future. And uh, tonight we uh, are, are in block number 11, uh, which is the conclusion. And thanks to all of you who are teaching this. You know, this week I've heard from so many people, uh, so many of you around the world uh, that uh, you've received our materials. Uh, we, we, we sent out a special mailing to a number of people around the world and uh, many countries, also pastors all over this nation. And I've heard from so many of you that are teaching this. Uh, I had lunch with a pastor this, this last week who was teaching this. He said it's just marvelous. The church is just enjoying it. They're doing it so wonderful. One of the uh, our, our local churches here in this community. And uh, there are so many others. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for um, being involved in life shape, prayer and discipleship. You know, God has a plan and his plan uh, doesn't vary. There's not even a shadow of turning. He has a plan whereby he can saturate the earth with his presence and with his spirit and, and, and the knowledge of his glory would just permeate and cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. He's going to have his way and his will. And uh, thanks so much for being a part of that. Are you guys ready tonight for our life shape uh, in conclusion? Wow. What in the world does that mean? That means that we are on block 11 of our 12th block in the last module. Next week will be our last in this a series of uh, in this whole year next week will be our last life shape life block and then of course december the 25th we're going to have a special service we're still going to pray to make sure that we put the cap on the bottle of our 52 weeks of prayer uh, in corporate prayer and then we're going to have just a family time after that of all the family in here together reading the christmas story together on christmas night uh, together. It'll be an abbreviated service here, and uh, I thank you in advance for all of you who make time in your busy schedule and that busy uh, week to do that. Uh, I'll be here with my family. In fact, we have family coming in from Korea. Uh, more grandchildren will all be here hearing the Christmas story once again this year as we have uh, for so many years now. And uh, But if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to be going to two places. We're going to be going to the book of Micah, and then when we, uh, when we conclude, we'll be in the book of Ecclesiastes, okay? And our key scriptures tonight are taken from the book of the prophets, uh, specifically the book of, of, of Micah, the prophet Micah. And uh, Micah, the sixth chapter, in verse 6 says this, With what shall I come before the Lord? Oh, I love Micah. He's so direct. He's just so plainly spoken. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves uh, a year old? He's just so plain. What he's, he's trying to determine how should I approach God? How can I please this holy God? What can I do for him? Verse 7 says, Will the Lord be pleased with a thousands of rams? With 10,000 rivers of oil? You know, uh, what would please the Lord? Shall I give my firstborn? 
for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. I mean, is this what pleases God? Would he be pleased with a thousand rams or with 10,000 rivers of oil? Is there something I could give him that would please him? I mean, how about my firstborn? Should I give my firstborn for my transgression? How about the fruit of my body? Would, 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 would he accept the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Well, the resounding word uh, in response is no. No, that's not what pleases the Lord. Verse number 8, our key scripture in Micah 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. He's shown you. He has shown every one of us what is good, what is acceptable in His eyes. And what does the Lord require of you? It's very simple. Just, He said, do justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly with your God. Do justly. Love mercy. You see, in conclusion, in, in conclusion of the whole word, in conclusion of our whole walk with God, it can be summed up according to the prophet Micah. Not by bringing him sacrifice and offerings, not by, by causing your children to pass through the fire, not, not by uh, some extreme measure, but simply by doing what is acceptable to him. And that is just to do justly, to do what is just, to do what is right, do justly, love mercy. That means that you be as kind to others and as merciful to others as you are hoping God will be to you. And then to walk humbly, not pridefully and arrogantly, because you have been accepted by God, not because of the works you have done, but because of the works Jesus did. We have no, no, no uh, place to boast. We have, we, we have nothing to boast of. We have no right to be prideful, no right to be arrogant. We have no right to, 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 to boast at all because God did this for us. And he requires us to walk humbly before him. Humility is something that God prizes. In fact, the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to those who will humble themselves in his mighty hand. And if you will just humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, the Bible says that God will exalt you whenever you need to be exalted in due time, when it's the right and the proper time. And we don't have to worry about getting left behind or getting left out or not being picked or not being chosen or somebody not knowing what we have done, somebody not hearing of all of our accolades or of all of our sacrifices. We don't have to worry about, about not being, you know, uh, 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 you know, on the stage and receiving the medal. We don't. God will exalt us when it's our turn and our time to be exalted. If we will just humble ourselves, be patient and place our lives in God's hands and humble ourselves, humbly walk with God. Well, we have come a long way together in these past 50 weeks. We've studied the Word of God and discovered truths and principles that every believer should know about God. We have looked at, at principles... Uh, 
systematically and strategically, very methodically, we have looked at step-by-step principles that every believer should know from God's Word and what we all should be established in. And now we're quickly drawing to a close in these life-shaped lessons, and it behooves us to draw some conclusions from all that we have heard and all that we have studied in these past many weeks. You know, merely hearing the Word of God, you know, hearing the Word of God alone is not enough. Merely hearing the Word of God and the doctrines of Christ is not enough to transform us into the people that God wants us to be. Certainly, we must hear His Word. But after we have heard His Word, we must harness ourselves to believe that Word, to embrace it, to bring it into our own life, to put it into practice, and to live that Word. Because if we cannot live that word, then the people around us will not get what they need. There are people all around us today in need. They are needing to see someone who's actually, you know, some believer who's actually living the victorious life in the face of all of the calamities that they also, uh, you know, are, are challenged with. We walk in the same world that everyone else walks in. We work at the same jobs. Those who believe in Jesus Christ and have accepted Him as Lord and Savior, we go through the same financial uh, uh, ups and downs in our nation as every other family and every other business goes through. And yet, we are supposed to be different. We are supposed to look different and sound different. We are supposed to take the challenges of this life a little different. We are supposed to take the bumps in life a little different. The hardships and the heartaches and the heartbreaks and the tragedies the tests, the trials, the tribulation. You know, people are watching us. And what they are looking for is someone who says that they believe and it's working for them. The world hates a hypocrite. And yet the world offers the Christian continual temptations trying to get the Christian to compromise. What the world is looking for is not your failure, even though they at times seem like they're championing that failure. What they're looking for is the real McCoy. What they're looking for is someone who actually has found an answer, has found the answer to the dilemma I'm facing in my marriage, with my money, with my children, with the job, with, with, with this sickness, this pain, this worry, this fear, with this age and stage of life that I'm facing, with the troubles that I have at work or the things I'm going through or the simple challenges that we all face. The world is looking for someone who has found the answer. But too often when they look at the believer, that person who says they're a Christian and goes to church, when they look at them, they find very little difference between how they handle a problem and how the world handles that same problem. We're called to be different. We're called to be a light shining in darkness. We're called to be salt of the earth. We're called to be merciful and kind and forgiving. We're called to be holy. We're called to be pure. We're called to be people of the Word. We're called to be forgiving and just, honest. We're called to be people with integrity. And although we will not be perfect, we are forgiven and we are encouraged and expected to rise back up from every failure, brush ourselves off, 
cover that weakness with the Word of God, get the help that we need, and march forward into a new day, meeting the next challenge with faith that God is going to help us through each one. You know, as I said, the world hates a hypocrite. But yet, they give us many chances to compromise. Realize what they're looking for. They're looking for the real Christian. I have found, found five principles of life that seem to endure. And uh, uh, if we will remember these things, I'm about to share these five things uh, and, and uh, uh, be encouraged by them, they can help us to stay on track in life. Okay? Now, life is still a choice and failure is forgivable, but it is much better to be victorious in temptations than it is to try to recover from the failure of those temptations. And you and I have both had equal experiences in being victorious and failing and falling short of God's grace and His expectation. Recovery and forgiveness is available to every believer. We must take that and we must grow beyond the point of continuing to fall into the simple failures, into the, for the simple sins, the common challenges of life. We must rise above those. People need someone to follow. If you'll keep these things in mind while you continue on your journey, then, uh, then it, it will help to encourage you. And by the way, these are not law, but they are tried and true principles of life. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. Uh, what we say will be said. This, the, these are principles of life. Just realize, just, just go ahead and realize that it's, it's the truth. What you say will be said. What we say will be repeated. So it's important that we watch what we say because what we say will be said. Watch what we do because what we do will be known. The good and the bad, the good deeds and the bad deeds will be known. What, you know, whether they're known in this life or in the next, what we do will be known. And that hopefully will keep us from doing some things, realizing that what we do will be known. Number three, what we believe will be tested. It's fair. What we choose to believe and reach out to believe will be tested. Whenever we hear a good word from God and we say yes to that word, we are leaving that place headed to a test, headed to the place of the test. The Bible says that when we hear the word of God, we receive it with joy immediately the devil comes to rob that word, to steal that word out of our hearts. When you leave here tonight, when you leave this session, you know, be ready for the test. The word that you embrace, the word God speaks to you that gives you strength and hope and helps you with your next challenge is exactly what you need for that challenge. But believe me, the word will be tested. Number four, what we compromise to keep, we will lose. It's just a principle of life. If we compromise to achieve something or compromise to keep something or compromise to get something, we will lose it. Don't compromise in life. And when you find that you have compromised, cover yourself in prayer. Go to God. Discover your compromise to Him. Pray and ask Him to forgive you and then get back on the right track. And then number five, a principle of life is the journey is your friend. You know, the journey really is your friend. It is the journey that prepares us for our destiny. It's our journey that prepares us to operate at the capacity that destiny requires.
You see, it's, it's the normal everyday challenges, the tests, the trials, the tribulations, the things that we go through that we find victory in that prepare us for greater days of greater victory and greater days of being of greater use for God. While other people see us gain greater victories, it's encouraging to them. Even Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, when they were in the prison, they were supposed to be believers. They were supposed to be messengers of God. They were supposed to be messengers of a new way. And yet they were put into prison and they they, they were treated harshly and cruelly. And yet in their midnight hour, rather than complaining, rather than arguing, rather than fussing, rather than, 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 you know, than, than uh, trying to you know, d- discover uh, how they could connive their way or lie their way or cheat their way or pay their way out, they were doing none of those things. And if you'll note, the Bible says that the prisoners were listening. The prisoners were listening. They wanted to know what these two men of God were going to do in their midnight hour, facing the same challenges that the prisoners faced as well. And Paul and Silas began to pray and sing praises to God in their midnight hour, in their challenge of life, in their trouble, in their darkness, in their hurt, in their pain, in their disappointment. There they prayed and they sang praises and the prisoners were listening. And when it was sufficient enough for the prisoners to know what was going to cause this miracle, God sent an earthquake and opened everyone's prison doors and all the chains fell off because of two examples, because of two people who met their challenge and were victorious. You see, many times we must gain victory in the situation before we gain victory over the situation. And prisoners are listening. It's so important we realize that the journey is our friend. Don't get angry at the journey. It may lead through some places that stretches us and even stresses us at times. But don't weary because of the journey. Don't be weary because of the way which the Lord leads you. That's what he said about the children of Israel. The children of Israel were much wearied because of the way which the God, which God led them and they began to complain. But he led them to compass the land of Egypt, to go Edom rather, to go around the land of Edom instead of straight through it. He did that for a lot of reasons. It was his choice. It was a longer route. It was a dusty route. It was a difficult way, but it was God's way. And that journey prepared them with the strength they would need to overcome their enemies in the day that they would be facing those enemies. You see, God knows what he's doing. It's the journey that prepares us for our destiny. At each juncture in life, we are offered the opportunity to turn toward God. At every crossroads, at every juncture, at at every uh, place where there is a divergence, where there is a decision, we are offered an opportunity by God to take the route that goes toward Him, that leads closer to Him. In every high moment and in every low moment, we can find a pathway that will keep us walking in the direction of God's will every time. God will not leave us. He will not forsake us. God will not allow more to come upon us than what He will also make a way for us. With every temptation, test, trial, tribulation, with every decision, with every juncture in life, 
God offers us a path that leads toward Him, that leads His direction in the direction of His will. There is no temptation, no test, no trial, no tribulation we face in life without God being right there with us, encouraging us, speaking to us, comforting us, offering us guidance. You see, God sees our potential. And He continues to shine His light on the way He wants us to walk. His light is His Word. He shines His Word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path to give us direction. He'll never leave us and never forsake us. In these past many weeks that we have been studying together, we have gone over so many things that believers need to know. You know, we began real, with, with, with realizing that, that God created us. He created us. We were not a coincidence. We were not a, a product of evolution or, 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 or the Big Bang Theory. You know, God created us. He had a purpose for us. And He created everything that we need out of things which were at that point non-existent. God creates out of things which do not appear. We learned as well that the devil subtly tempted Eve and deceived her to doubt God's Word and to, to want to go and do her own thing. And Eve disobeyed God because she was deceived by the devil's subtle temptations to distrust God's Word, to think she had a better way. We learned that sin separates. First, it separates man from man. It separated Adam and Eve, and they hid themselves from one another. Then they hid themselves from God. Sin separates man from God. And, and, and then sin separated man from the garden because sin separates us from our temporal blessings on earth. And then ultimately, sin separated man from his eternal purpose to walk with God forever. We learned as well uh, in our first module of redemption how that e the eternal forgiveness that we needed required a perfect sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats was not able to accomplish that. We learned that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whoever believes in Him well, does not have to perish, but, but receives eternal life. We also learned that we are saved by grace. Through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, and we have nothing to be prideful or boast about because we have been born again. That's why we approach Him with a humble spirit. Grace only demands that we believe and we receive. That's grace's, that, 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 that's the only thing grace demands. Believe and receive. We accept and receive Jesus, and when we do, God accepts and receives us. We accept and receive Jesus by faith. And when we do, God accepts us and receives us. And uh, we learn that God's children are granted access to Him through prayer. We learn that the Holy Spirit lives in born-again believers and gives them a power to be a witness, the power to heal and the power to, 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 to uh, you know, walk above the phrase of this life, God gives us power by the Holy Spirit who lives within us. God places every person in a church. We learn that church is family. We learn that God puts us in a church according to His plan, not according to ours. We learn that God places every person in a family as He sets the solitary in families. We learn that every Christian is expected and encouraged 
to grow up and to take personal responsibility for the health and the continued growth of the church. We learn that each church is responsible to accomplish the Great Commission through world evangelism and through discipleship. We learned in these past weeks that the same Jesus who, who ascended into heaven is the same Jesus, not another, not the Jesus of the Quran, but the same Jesus that ascended from the Mount of Olives is the same Jesus that will descend and He is coming for His bride. He is coming to receive us unto Himself and so we will ever be with the Lord. We learned as well that there will come a great tribulation, seven years of tribulation on the earth, and uh, it, it will be the judgment of God. We learned in these past few weeks that Jesus will lead his armies in a battle, the battle of Armageddon, his angel and his armies of saints, and we will destroy the devil and defeat the Antichrist. We learned that Satan will be bound at that point. And that Jesus will set up His kingdom and reign in Jerusalem as King of the whole earth for a thousand years. We learned as well that after that thousand years, Satan will be loosed for a season. And in this season, he will deceive the nations. And then God will move sovereignly to bring an end to all rebellion. The devil, his angels... Hell and death, along with all those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, will be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. This is the second death. We learned as well that the heavens and the earth will be consumed and utterly destroyed. Will melt, the elements will melt with a fervent heat and there will be no more sea. Everything that we know will be gone. And the earth at that point will be without form and void and darkness again will, will cover the face of the deep. Then we also learned that God will create a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. And God Himself and His Son, Jesus, the Lamb of God, will live on earth with man. We will be there forever and ever, continuing with God's will. There will be no more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. This is the eternity that every born-again believer is destined for. And it's important you know that so that you can hold fast the faith which has been delivered to you. You are the only church in the world. The church in 2013, here in southeast Texas, wherever you may be, stretching around the world, the saints who are alive today, we are the only church God has in the earth. And this faith and this doctrine has been delivered to us for safekeeping and to expand His kingdom throughout the globe. Well, what more can I say to these things? Hey, in conclusion to all these matters, I'm compelled to call to mind the Scripture in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 12. That's the whole story. That's what it says in verse 13. That's the whole story. I've just told you the whole story. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Here's, here's what we can conclude from all of this. 
fear God and obey His commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. No, that's the whole story. That's the whole story. In conclusion, fear God, keep His commands. It's everyone's duty. I leave you with five important points. Number one, do justly. Number two, love mercy. Number three, walk humbly with your God. Number four, obey God. Number five, or fear God. Number five, keep His commandments.